Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my immense privilege each and every week to host the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm super excited to have you with us today for a little bit of encouragement on the journey that we call the Christian life. Today we are returning to our unique Attributes of Christianity series. It's been a while since we have talked about one of these aspects, and today we're talking about the aspect of forgiveness, both sides of the coin, being the forgiver and being the forgiven, and how these things are required to live close to the Lord Jesus and to live in harmony with one another. The Bible says that they will know we are Christians by our love. So this is quite a different worldview from the worldview that says, my happiness is number one and I don't need to care about who I hurt or what other people think along the way. Instead, God calls us to esteem each other better than ourselves. And so as we dig into this issue of forgiveness, again, both sides of the coin being forgiven or offering forgiveness, I trust that it will be encouraging to us and that it will bolster the relationships which God has given us. Because he did not intend for us to live solitary lives. Rather, he intended for us to live in community and to encourage one another. And I will get into that in a few minutes, but before we do that, let's talk about what is going on. All right, well, first of all, I'm a little excited to tell you uh, that I will be going to Hawaii, Lord willing, in April with my brother Bartholomew and my friend Adam McNutt. Adam is familiar to those of you who have listened to this podcast for any length of time because he was my longtime co-host and he's an even better friend. So we're excited to have a Hawaiian adventure together this coming spring, and I've been counting the days already, and so I just covet your prayers that everything would come together for that and that we would have an enjoyable time. As I go through these news stories today, I have to say that something unique happened, and that is I kind of went down a rabbit hole. I found one story that I wanted to share, and then I ended up finding a few more stories from the same area that I also wanted to share. So I have four stories to share with you today, and they all come from Buffalo, New York. The worst of Mother Nature, bringing out the best of human nature. This is Buffalo resident Shakira Autry on Facebook Live. I currently have an older 64-year-old white man in my house, um, I found him yesterday. I heard him screaming for help. In the midst of western New York's blizzard, Shakira spotted and heard the man in terrible pain in the frigid cold outside her house on the morning of Christmas Eve. Her boyfriend carried the man inside. That man is Joey White, seen in this picture at a Toronto Blue Jays baseball game. He got away from his um, his home. that he, he lives in a group home, he told me. Joey's sister says her brother is mentally challenged and does indeed live in a group home. He works at a movie theater and may have gotten scared during the blizzard and tried to walk home from the theater, getting lost in the heavy snow outside the mother of three's house. Shakira did her best to take care of him, to comfort him, feed him, 
and pleaded for help with phone calls and on Facebook Live. This man is not about to die over here on 111. Y'all need to get this man some help. But her neighborhood was virtually impassable. Christmas Eve became Christmas Day. Joey was in immense pain with severe frostbite on his hands. Joe, listen to Joe. How you feeling, Joe? Joe ready to go. He ready to go. He needs to go because he needs medical attention. I had to, he had a ring on his finger. I had to use these to cut the ring off of his finger. I'm not no surgeon. With her three children by her side, Shakira tried to comfort Joey. Joe? You feeling better? You trying to feel better? Mm-hmm. Pardon me? No, you're not going to die. We, we're not talking about death. We, see, this is how you know he, he needs help. And that help was about to come. Good Samaritan showing up in a vehicle that could make it through the snow. Joey was on his way to the hospital. I'm right here, Joe. And Shakira rode with him. Jesse, I'm right here. You okay? I love you too, sweetie. You okay? Joey arrived at the hospital safely. This man could have died, 64 years old, could have died outside. I wasn't letting that happen on my watch and he wasn't going to die in front of my kids. Joey has severe frostbite and is in the ICU in the hospital burn unit. His sister Yvonne telling us it's touch and go whether his hands can be saved. But overall, he's in stable condition. And she is so grateful for Shakira Autry. This woman um, did something that an angel would do, okay? Um, to take in a perfectly stranger, a stranger. You took him in, in your home on Christmas Eve. Joey White's life was saved by a woman who cared deeply about a man she had never met. Thank you. I'm right here. I'm right here. Shakira Autry is an example of everything that's good in the world. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, we had a really bad snowstorm by Michigan standards, and I thought it was inconvenient for it to be really cold and for there to be so much snow that we couldn't go anywhere. But that was nothing compared to what happened in Buffalo. And I'm just so thankful um, that this young lady took it upon herself to rescue this man. I'm thankful that he was heard. I'm thankful for the angels that I'm sure guarded him as he was out there in the cold. I can't imagine being stuck like that. I remember probably the closest that I got was one winter when I was working at Right to Life of Michigan, I had gotten in the habit of going across the street to this coffee shop uh, that was out by Right to Life. And I made plans to go there that night to wait for my brother to get off work because he got off work like an hour and a half to two hours after I did. And when I went to go to the coffee shop, it was closed. Well, now I'm outside in the winter, and everybody has left right to life. I can't get back in the building. What do I do? So I decide to go down the sidewalk um, to cross at 28th Street and go to Russ's restaurant. And as I'm trying to go down the sidewalk, there's snow everywhere on the sidewalk. So my greatest fear at this point is getting stuck in the sidewalk on the snow and not being able to get out to get to my destination and potentially, if not freezing to death, at least being very uncomfortable for who knows how long. 
So I took a deep breath, went out on the street, on the road, and went down Byron Center to 28th Street. And I know that a guardian angel kept me from being hit that night. But at that point, I was like, either I get stuck on the sidewalk or I go on the street, on the side of the road, as close to the side of the road as I can get. Well, I successfully made it to Russ's and I was actually given $20 from somebody that saw me on the side of the road. Uh, they came into the Russ's to make sure that I was okay and they gave me $20 and that covered my meal that night. But I'll never forget that day and I have never tried to get down Byron Center to 28th Street again in the dead of winter. But that is definitely something that sticks out in my mind, so I'm grateful that this young lady was there to help this man in need. My question would be, who was supposed to pick him up from the movie theater, and why were they not concerned about him themselves? That would be the one question that wasn't answered from this story. Well, this next story comes from Buffalo, New York as well, as I said, and it involves people having to stay the night at Target. All right, well, speaking of which, the Buffalo blizzard stranded drivers across the region as whiteout conditions prevented people from getting to their holiday destinations. That's right. Our next guest was with her husband and children on their way to pick up a family member across town. But on the way back home, with the snow falling, they knew they had to find shelter and fast. And next thing you knew, they ended up spending the night at their local Target. There's actually been movies made about spending the night in a store, but I don't think it was as fanciful as many would imagine. Here to tell us about the ordeal is West Seneca, New York resident Jessica Sibneski. Jessica, what a story. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. All right, well, let's start with the road conditions before you ended up at the Target. Um, we just talked about how there were 37 straight hours of blizzard-like conditions out there on the road, so I could imagine what made you decide to pull over, but let's hear it in your words. Um, so when we started, uh, we were actually going across town to pick up uh, family members to bring them back to our house, and it was fine. There was, you know... It, the roads were clear, no big deal. Um, on our way back is when the blizzard completely came, and it came fast, and it came hard. So on our way back uh, home, we couldn't make it. There was no way we were making it. We tried. Um, the roads were, you couldn't see two inches in front of you. Like, I, I've been here 33 years, and I've never experienced anything like this in my entire life. Um, so, yeah, we had to basically use our phone is like um, our maps. We had to use the maps on the phone to try to get to a safer location than where we were at, which that ended up leading us into the Target Plaza. Um, we did try a grocery store nearby and they wouldn't let us in, unfortunately. Um, so we ended up, again, using our maps to try to locate where we were in the plaza to get us to the next door, which was Target. And uh, yeah, they opened their doors for us. I mean, thank goodness they did, right? I mean, how terrifying to be in that situation. So you land in Target, and and what were you thinking? I mean, at that point, did you think, 
I may have to spend the night here, or were you thinking, I'm going to try to get out hopefully as soon as possible? So when we first got there, like I, I felt so relieved. I started crying because that was seriously a life and death situation out there. Like it was no joke. So when I walked into Target, I instantly felt relief. I just cried. <laughs> um, I wasn't too worried about what was coming next as long as that we were safe. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't expecting to spend the night by no means, but the blizzard really was not stopping and it was coming hard. There was no um, even few minutes to catch a clear glimpse of what was going on out there. It was just completely coming down. And for hours, it did not stop. How many other people had the same idea as you or maybe not the same idea, but just wound up there at Target just in an effort to stay safe? Um, well, when we got there, there was uh, seven employees, and I want to say maybe like six people already there. Uh, so then it added us six that were with my group. And then after that, all through Friday and Saturday, um, I want to say we ended up with 22 people that slept over on Friday. And then Saturday, we definitely added at least eight to 10 more people, which they ended up staying till Sunday. But I was able to get home safely on Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, at the end of the day, there was about 30 some people in that target. So ironically, I had just watched a Christmas movie that involved people being stuck in a store overnight because of a blizzard. And then to see this story come out of Buffalo, New York, and to see this family's struggle to get to safety, it is amazing how fast the weather can turn. Uh, I know it's important to stay tuned to the weather and to monitor it for changes. I understand that. But once you're out in it, you have to make decisions about how to survive. Again, another story from my family. Uh, Several years ago, we were dropping my brother off in Chicago for a program that he was a part of. And on our way back, it just started snowing really, really hard. And I remember looking through the front windshield of our van and being like, I hope that my dad can see more than I can because I can't see anything um, out of that front windshield. And he ended up pulling off at a hotel in Benton Harbor. We were able to get a room for the night. Uh, the interesting thing in our situation is that by the time we got up to the hotel room, things started to calm down, but he's like, I'm not going to drag us all uh, back out to the car. So we stayed the night in Benton Harbor and then drove home to what at that time was Wyoming, Michigan, right outside of Grand Rapids the following morning. And we were safe. We were thankful to be safe. But again, you never know when the weather's going to creep up and you don't want to mess with it. Well, this next story is a personal story of giving during this same Buffalo blizzard. America Strong, the visitors from half a world away who found the kindness of strangers in the middle of the deadly and historic blizzard. Longtime Buffalo resident Alex Campania and his wife Andrea were hunkering down at home Friday when the storm hit. We knew that with the storm approaching, it would be best to keep our pantry stocked, our fridge and freezers filled. And it's a good thing they were prepared. At 2 o'clock, there was a knock at their door. Two men knocked on our door, and I met them out front with some shovels as they mentioned that their vehicle was stuck. And halfway down my driveway, they said, we're part of a tour group 
from South Korea, and we have 10 people uh, in our vehicle. And I said, get all of them inside our house right now, because the road was too dangerous to be on. Uh, and the snow was falling too hard. In all, Alex and Andrea welcoming 10 tourists from South Korea. They had left Washington, D.C. that morning, headed for Niagara Falls. The couple opening up their home to the stranded travelers for the weekend, even having a special celebration for a newlywed couple in the group. We thought, hey, we have a bottle of champagne. Let's get it chilled and surprise them with a little honeymoon toast. Uh, after dinner. And I think that really helped make everyone feel so comfortable and at home. Tonight, Alex's message for us all. No matter where you are in the world, if you receive a knock on the door at your home and you open the door to perfect strangers, you never know who's going to come inside. But the compassion and love that human beings have for each other triumph. I just really appreciated that story. And as I'm listening to all of these stories, I'm reminded of what the great Mr. Rogers said when he said, if you see a crisis or a disaster, look for the helpers. That was one of his go-tos when he was navigating children and their parents, let's be honest, through some of the really tough situations of the day. His program, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, was on the air for more than 40 years, and he he just had a really level-headed, even-keeled approach to dealing with the trials of life, and looking for the helpers was definitely one of his ways to encourage children to help them not to be as scared, and I'm very thankful for Mr. Rogers and his contributions in that particular way. So as we move on, I have one more story out of the great city of Buffalo. And this one um, regards the story of Delmar Hamlin. For those who may not know, Delmar was playing Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals when he made a tackle early on in the first quarter. And after he made the tackle, he stood up, took a couple steps, and collapsed to the ground. He was then given CPR on the field, and a defibrillator was used to restore his heartbeat, which also had to be restored once again on the way to the hospital. He is now doing well and has recently gone home from the hospital. One of the encouraging things that has come out of this tragedy is people having more emphasis on prayer. Both teams gathered on the field and shielded Delmar, but also prayed for his safety as this happened. And people have been bold in prayer since it happened. Dan Orlovsky prayed on the air on ESPN, boldly for Delmar's safety. And then Benjamin Watson had the opportunity to have this encounter with Anderson Cooper. Uh, These times bring us face-to-face with our mortality. And we all have a a day to be born, and we all have a day to die. And so often, in in between those two points, we feel invincible. Whether you're a professional athlete, (laughs) whether you're at the top of uh, your profession, uh, whether you're feeling healthy, you understand 
that sometimes there's a reminder that, hey, all of us have an appointment with death. But I think after that, it also makes us realize where are we? Where do our hearts stand? If that were to be us laying on the field or if that were to be us laying in a hospital, what would our next steps be? And so on the flip side, with such a tragic event, there is tremendous opportunity. Uh, Part of my prayers right now, Anderson, is for the players in both of those locker rooms, for the chaplains, who I know very well, who are right now uh, counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who is still fighting for his life. Because the questions about what happens after this life, where will you spend eternity, as you mentioned, Anderson, are coming up for all of us, not just for the football players, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. I was really excited to hear about Benjamin Watson's ability to share that on CNN of all places, especially since I seem to recall a time during the riots, I think, of 2020 when he was trying to convey a similar message and there were quote-unquote problems with the technology which caused him to cut out. And I have believed from the very first with that situation that they cut him off on purpose. But this particular time, I think because of the fact that it was such a personal and real tragedy that could not be ignored, Anderson Cooper allowed him to say his piece and God was glorified. And I think one of the things that we need to remember as believers is that whenever Christ is preached, whenever Christ is glorified, even if it's for wrong motives, we can still rejoice in it and still be grateful for it. So I'm thankful to Ben Watson and to many others who have been bold in their witness for Christ out of this tragedy. I do think that the greatest amount of growth for most people comes out of their tragedies not out of their good times. I know that's the case for my personal life. And I just hope that if you are going through a rough time, that you will realize that that is something that God can use to grow you and make you a better person than you are right now. Today we're going to tackle the topic of forgiveness and we're going to tackle it from both vantage points, that of being the forgiver and that of uh, being the forgiven. So I hope that you will be benefited by this study that we are embarking on today and I hope that as I said, you will share it with others so that they too can be benefited. All of these episodes related to the unique characteristics of Christianity are available in my archives, so please make sure that you avail yourself of this series, and I think it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you and to others in your life. Our quote of the day comes from Scripture, and it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's Isaiah one eighteen. And the reason that I want to start this conversation with this verse is that the, is that the fundamental truth of forgiveness 
is the key to the whole Christian experience. Because the reason that Christianity is different among the world religions is, A, that God reaches down to us when we don't have the strength to reach up to him. While we were yet without strength, Christ died to the ungodly. But B, we have a situation where God says, I'm going to forgive your sins. I will remove them from you as far as the east is from the west, and I will choose to forget them. One of the things that has boggled my mind more than anything else in Christianity is the fact that Jesus, who forgets nothing, Jesus, who keeps every promise he ever made, Jesus, who is the very God in flesh, who has never forgotten a thing in life, chooses to voluntarily forget our sins and to remember them no more when we confess to him. And so, what does that mean for us? Well, in the next few minutes, that is what we are going to discuss. So the first thing we need to understand in order to understand Forgiveness is that we have all sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.23 and 24. So what this verse sets up for us is the idea that no one is exempt from being sinners. We are all sinners. So if someone says, well, I'm a pretty good person, you can point them to this verse and share with them the truth that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say no one's perfect. Well, that's exactly right. But God's standard is perfection. And I think it's important for us to note that God did not lower his standard to let us into heaven. Rather, he sent us a perfect sacrifice who was able to live up to God's perfect standard and lift us up to perfection rather than coming down to imperfection, and accepting imperfection in us and allowing imperfection to exist. The reality is that God became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. The next point that we need to understand is that the wages of sin is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So our wages has been meted out. We deserve death. There's nothing in us that deserves life. There's nothing good in us. But this verse says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is why we have fruit unto holiness, not because of what we have done, but according to his mercy. Then as we get into the inertia of forgiveness, we have to ask ourselves, well, how does it work? Well, first of all, we know, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus has forgiven us. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
2 Corinthians 5.17. So we were full of sin. He takes our sin on him and gives us his righteousness. What a wonderful exchange. I am so thankful for it, and I hope that you are as well. It's the only way that we can stand before him, because there is nothing in us that is good. Paul said, in my flesh there dwells no good thing. He didn't say some good things. You know, sometimes we we say, well, I'm pretty good, but I just needed uh, God to get me the rest of the way, or at least that's the way we act. But the reality is I'm not pretty good. I'm pretty awful. I'm dead, or I was dead in trespasses and sins. I'm dead without Jesus. But with Jesus, he gives me life, and he gives me the power to do the right thing. And then because Jesus has forgiven us, we should forgive others. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32 You know, sometimes we as believers say we're thankful for God forgiving us, but then we look at what other people do and we say, I could never forgive them. But keep in mind that Jesus, as he's being nailed to the cross, is saying of the people that did that, that nailed him to the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I like the fact that this prayer appears to be answered like almost immediately because you have the thief on the cross who was mocking him and deriding him, eventually realize who he is and ask to be remembered. And Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then you have the satyrian who says, First of all, surely this was a righteous man. And then I'm presuming later on, because it's listed in another gospel, he says, truly this was the Son of God. And it's my hope that someone found him after the resurrection, or perhaps he was among the 500, uh, to see Jesus alive after he was resurrected. And so he knew the end of the story. I don't know that for sure, but that would be my hope. And then we are admonished by Jesus that forgiveness should be our continuous practice. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And I don't think that the number is is important here. I think... Jesus is actually conveying, don't keep track. But I've heard that in saying 70 times 7, the actual rendering of it is 70 to the 7th power. So, like 70 times 7 times 7 times 7 and so forth. But however you render it, Jesus is saying, take your mind off the offenses of your brother and put them on being right with me. And in order to be right with me, forgive your brother. And so I really think 
This is a transformative passage. Jesus goes further because there's another passage where he says, if your brother offends you in the same way seven times in one day, forgive him. So we are never told that we can get out of the forgiveness business. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be forgiving people. And then finally today, love keeps no record of wrongs. In 1 Corinthians 13.5, from the famous love passage, Paul writes, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. So we have a situation where we have the ability as human beings to hang on to grudges. There's an old joke that says every time my wife gets frustrated with me, she gets historical. And someone says, hysterical? And the man says, no, historical. Because she brings up every other thing that I did wrong. And I really think that we can learn from the Lord Jesus, who, as I said earlier, says, I will put your sins um, as far away as the east is from the west. Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. That is the example that we are supposed to follow for our lives. Now, the tricky thing is, we do need to be careful to not put ourselves in bad situations. We do need to hold people accountable to their actions. I don't think that this is telling people to stay in abusive situations. But I do think that in the majority of situations where we find ourselves in our interpersonal relationships, that if we would pause and think about the other person before ourselves and think about the situation, we would be able to work through our difficulties because we need to make sure that we know that we are not perfect. So expecting the other person to be perfect is an unrealistic expectation. So to review our points, we have all sinned. We know that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we get the gift of God, which is eternal life. Jesus has forgiven us. He's taken our sin, become that sin for us, taken it on himself, and made us his righteousness. Uh, so Jesus has forgiven us. We should forgive others and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So because of what Christ did on the cross, uh, we have been forgiven. Forgiveness should be our continuous practice, so we should forgive our brother 70 times 7. The Bible says that that people will know that we are Christians by the way that we love one another. And so this is a key component. How do you respond when there's conflict? Because I think one of the mistakes we make is we think that 
you're only a good person or you're only a proper person if there is no conflict. And so we're afraid to admit conflict uh, or we seek to avoid it at all costs when really the measure of a man isn't the lack of conflict. It's how he deals with conflict when it comes because it will come. And then love keeps no record of wrong. If you love someone, you don't think evil of them, you think the best of them, and you seek to continue to think the best of them and to bring out the best from them because you care about them. And I just really think that if we want to make a difference in this world, one of the key ways we can do it is to be a forgiving people to give and accept forgiveness on the regular. I've seen a meme many times that says the key to a successful marriage is just two imperfect people who know how to forgive. And I have seen that played out in the life of my own parents and other married couples that I know, and I'm very grateful for that. I really hope that today's discussion about forgiveness has been beneficial and encouraging to you. If you have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to reach out with the contact information that will roll after the show. That's about all I have time for today, but I hope that you have a wonderful week and that above all, you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 